Hey friends, I appreciate you tuning in to the Deal Farm podcast where I hope you feel at least mildly entertained and possibly even inspired to take big action towards improving your life and your business. On this episode, Kevin and I talk about the five secrets to selling a house. And while they may seem obvious, you'd be amazed how investing just a few dollars in the right places has consistently helped us sell houses faster and for more money. Hope you enjoy. Kevin Corsini, how you doing today? It's a fine day, Ken. How you doing, brother? Man, I couldn't be better. You can always be better. Nope. You can always, always be better. Not hands down, best day ever. Best day ever? You must have had a phenomenal lunch today. Was it a good lunch? It was such, such a good lunch, man. Leftover salmon. Woo! There's nothing good better than a couple day old fish. I just love yesterday's fish. <laughs> <laughs> for lunch. Well, it was frozen. We did freeze it, so that's... That's good. But it's protein. That's it's not that I love fish or salmon or it's just that I'm trying to pound a little bit of protein. You my yep. doctor told me the other day in my checkup, he's like, Ken, hundred grams of protein a day is not enough. I was like, I can barely get hundred grams. He's like, No, dude, you need to be eating like a gram per pound of body weight. That's like 230 grams. How in the world am I supposed to eat 230 grams of protein? I just gonna say that's a lot of hard boiled eggs, right? That next time you go in there, you should just like have in your vest pocket, hey, I brought a couple of eggs with me. Get my protein. <laughs> I, I got some salmon, leftover salmon in my pockets. Put a little, put a little uh what protein powder on the top of that, just gonna sprinkle a little protein. I, mean, I do protein smoothies and I try to eat, but that's that's hard, man, to eat that much protein. Do you that's you, a lot of that's a lot you, of protein. There's not a lot of room for anything else. Like, where are you gonna fit your carbs? No, in that's it. It's a great way to lose weight because you're not you won't have the stomach for anything other than protein. Yeah. That's a lot of bacon, man. Yeah. If I had that much bacon, I'd be having an awesome day like you. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I'm having the best day ever, man. I'm just chugging meat all day. <laughs> <laughs> chugging kind of day. Doing great. Doing great. Hey, man, I've got a, a great topic for today. Yeah, tell me what it is. And it's relevant because um, this is a, it's an interesting market right now, especially yeah. in different cities around the country where – it's not just throw your house on the on the MLS and get it sold the way it used to be. I mean, you got 30 offers, everybody's highest and best, multiple this. And now you got to be a little bit more strategic in getting a household, which is what the market kind of has always been when it's a little bit more uh, in balance. So I thought we would talk about maybe the five different tips and tricks to get your house sold. The, the, like the tried and true, when we've listed houses over the years, this is what we do. And it basically works all the dang time. The secrets to selling your house. There you go. That's a great title. Let's call it. Now, the I, I, I got a question though. Does it involve having snakes in the basement? Um, it does not, unless you have a rat infestation. Then the then the snakes actually might be a a welcome pet. So we did have a, a house here recently with some snakes in the basement. <laughs> we did. I've, my house has a snake in the basement, <laughs> and I don't care. Whatever. He's friendly. He's not. He's not literally an eight foot snake because I've seen his skin multiple times shed wow. in my basement. I've seen it in your basement as well. It's a big old snake that just lives down there all the time. Yeah. And I can't catch them, but you know what? I haven't had a mouse in my basement in a long time either. So, And there's no cats around the house either. Maybe that's why it's so big. <laughs> <laughs> He's living the best life, ever, best life ever, just crawling through our ceilings and eating rodents. And we got a lake right there. So he's drinking water, coming back in the house. He's fat that's and happy, happy, man. He's not going to want to mess that up. 
Yeah, but I would not as a whole uh, say that having pet snakes or wild snakes in your house is a great way to sell your house. That's, that's not one of the five, if that's what Not the best way. Okay, let's go through the five. How, you okay. know, what are the secrets to selling my house? If I want to get top dollar. If you want to get top dollar, and this is funny, this is a conversation. I think this is why it's fresh is because, you know, Anita is an active agent. So her and I are always talking about her listings. We're talking about our listings and the conversation. I feel like we have the same conversation all the time. And it always, when she's initially listing a house for somebody, it's always how much do we list the house for? What's the right price to list a house for? And right out of the gates, to me, that's the, that's really one of the number one things is pricing it right. And so well, what yeah, do we well, mean by pricing it right? Yeah, with that, you kind of have to know what, you, what you've got, right? You got to start with really being, taking an honest appraisal of, of what you got. Is, is what you're selling, how does it compare to the comps? you know, in the neighborhood, in that particular area, is it nicer than what, you know, is it brand new? Is it an investment property and everything's brand new or is it aged old, needs some updating? You kind of got to know what you want, what you've got when you go to market. And that really requires knowing what everybody else has got. Cause what you're doing is you're comparing your house to the neighborhood or to the area. And what are those houses selling for? And what do you have in comparison to those houses? Mm -hmm. Right. Anita's got a listing right now, actually, and uh, she picked it up. Um, it had been it had been actually marketed for months. Uh, mm -hmm. the, the previous agent didn't get it sold, so the guy called us up, and Anita was like, "All right, let me. I'll take this on." But here's the deal: we have to take an honest assessment. We have to list it right. We have to do A, B, and C to get it listed. So she just relisted it this week. Got four offers, four offers in the first weekend. And wow. so what did she do different than the previous agent? That's that's the question. Well, one is she knew what they had. They mm -hmm. they had they he actually ended up putting a little bit of money into the house to to spruce it up to make it nice. And um and then she she had to understand what is the neighborhood requiring of them in terms of pricing. She wasn't mm -hmm. the most expensive, but she definitely wasn't the least expensive. She was probably I said she was still priced at probably 80 to 90% of the area of for comparable, you know, price per square foot. But after doing a, just a little bit of sprucing up, it was one of the nicer houses. Mm -hmm. So if you're the nicest house in condition, it doesn't mean you necessarily want to ask the most either, because there's, there's a good chance the house could just sit there. If you really want to get some activity, you price it, you know, again, if it's, if it's one of the nicer houses towards the top, maybe not all the way to the top, Mm -hmm. But if it's a pooper compared to everybody else, man, you got to price that accordingly as well. Build in a little bit of, you know, a little bit of margin there because you're not the nicest. And and you got to own that. I mean, sometimes you just got to own that. Maybe you loved it. Maybe the styles that, you know, were great in the eighties and nineties, but you got to own that when you look at other, other properties as comps, maybe yours isn't the most, you know, up to date. Maybe yours isn't the best decorated where, you know, you, you got to own where you are and accept yeah. that. Well, and to that uh, extent too, you got to, where you are can also be what's around you. Where are you in relation to certain things? So if you're all the comps you're looking at are in a neighborhood behind you, but you happen to be the house that's on a double yellow road, you know, on a busy right. road. Well, that's, that's not really a comp. The houses that are on the nice, peaceful, quiet street behind you will likely sell for more than your, even if it's the same condition, same size, same style. If there's something detrimental about where your house is, like take an honest assessment of, look, we're on a busy street. It's, it's going to hurt our value a little bit. Or, or vice versa. You, you and I were looking at a property today, what it was on the 16th fairway. I mean, right. it was on the golf course. You're going to get more yep. for that property than across the street that, you know, they're just backing up to woods. There, there's something attractive about that. Exactly. Yeah. So what is potentially helping or what is potentially hurting your value? 
And then, uh, and just not really shooting for the stars. Like, just be realistic. Price mm-hmm. it right. And the, and the goal in a lot of cases is if you if you can price it just low enough to get multiple people interested in it, a lot of times you'll get that the the competitive nature of folks. Well, you know, when there's multiple offers, people are bidding, you're asking for highest and best. You actually end up getting that higher amount that you wanted just by virtue of the fact that you got more people involved. Yeah. And to that point too, you also want to be mindful of your own timing. Like if you're in a position where it's like, man, I got to sell fast, then pricing it right is pricing it in such a way that you're going to get offers quick. But hey, if you got time and you want to get as much money, pricing it right says, hey, I'm I'm willing to wait 30, 60, 90, maybe even longer True. to get that little bit of extra. Right. Yep. So understanding your own situation. Yep. Yep. If you're not I will say this though, in general, it's always better to get quick activity. Because it creates a scarcity mentality. It's this, you know, it's the, almost this bidding auction mentality. It's like, I got to get in this thing. Just hit. I'm going to miss out if I don't get in on this. If a house sits for 60, 90 days, the offers you start getting are not great offers because they smell blood in the water. Like, oh, he's been out there 60, 90 days. I ain't going to offer him list price anymore. And then it's kind of harder to get that activity again. You sort of got one one shot at it. In other words, if you list your property and you get a, a bunch of activity right out of it and maybe even some great offers, it doesn't mean that you priced it too low. It's not one of those, oh, I should have asked more. Look at all the no. offers I had up front. No, not at all. Now, you could literally just be ten, fifteen thousand $15,000, maybe below what you thought originally. Uh, and if you'd, pri- if you'd priced it there, you might not have gotten any activity. But the fact you priced a little bit lower, you got a frenzy of activity and it pushed the price up there anyways. And you got it sold right out of the gates. There's that sweet spot. And it's, yeah. you know, every house has that sweet spot of where you get that quick lift, the quick activity and that quick lift. And so number one is just understanding what you've got and pricing it, trying to find that sweet spot, pricing it right, getting the early activity and potentially going above asking. So let's say I do that, right? So I list it just right. I get a bunch of people, a ton of activity. They bid each other and I choose the best bid, right? I got the best offer. Now what? All right, I got I got multiple buyers lined up. I got my one chosen. What's what's the next secret? I, I, like I'm I got a great offer. Like let's go. Well, I tell you, we have been guilty of number two um, numerous times in the past, especially when we were flipping zillions of properties, where we would be so anxious to get the house listed that the house wasn't really quite ready to be listed because we weren't all the way prepared. Maybe we hadn't done our own inspection, or maybe this would have been helpful to have had a survey up front, or maybe there's some some hair on the deal a little bit that I didn't just deal with. I should have, I, I should have dealt with it before I listed it, like in some easements or utility, this or that, that just made it a little bit more complicated. And the worst thing that can happen is when a house goes under contract and then it falls out of, con- especially after that flurry of activity, then it falls out of contract. Um, because then there, then there's a, a sort of a perceived, well, what happened? Why did that house fall out? The survey yeah. must have come back bad. Some, and then you you will never get that momentum back again. Yep, yep. So you getting the fish on the hook quick is great, but if you're not prepared to reel it in, you're actually worse off than where you started. Number two is be prepared. So I always say pre-inspect. Get an inspector, inspect the house. If he if he's like, man, this roof is shot. Anybody that comes here is going to ask for a new roof. We'll just go get the roof replaced, or or at least price it accordingly. You know, and be very forthright about it. Look, I'm I'm listing this house. Can't afford to put a roof on, but we've priced it accordingly. Just put it out yeah. there. Um, but there's a lot. Usually inspections are a lot of little things that you can fix so that mm-hmm. the inspection report isn't a disaster and you don't lose a buyer because of it. Now, do you show potential buyers, hey, here's the inspection and here's what we've done? Or do you? 
you can, you, you can. Yeah. If it's just a handful of things you can, but sometimes you want to, um, sometimes you actually want to leave things for an inspector to find because inspector needs to justify their value. So yep. knock out as much, all the big stuff, let the inspector come out there and find, you know, a flashing issue here or there, just the little, the little things that make him feel like he's earning his keep. Yep. Um, so it really just depends if, I mean, if the house is already in really good shape and you did an inspection and you want to show it to him, that's fine. But, um, a lot of times we'll just do the inspection, fix the big things we know that's going to show up on another inspection and then let them get their own inspection. Yeah. But be so prepared, else? be prepared before you list it. What else has maybe, as you think through the deals through the past, what, what other reasons have maybe you, you, you lost a, you lost a sale cause you just, just weren't quite prepared to sell. Yep. Um, surveys, you know, if, if, especially if there's, there's some land involved and, and there's something that shows up in that we, if we're dealing, honestly, we're dealing with this on a, on a property right now where literally today on a house that we have under contract, we're about to close on discovered an easement. Didn't even know it was there. Mm-hmm. Um, called a prescriptive easement, meaning that somebody that's just been um, driving across their property for years and years and years, it's almost like squatters rights. It's like, yeah. now I, I get to inherit this easement because I've been using this for years and years and years. <laughs> Didn't even know it was there. It's not even listed in the deed books anywhere. It's just now in the survey, it's, it's indicated that, there's a easement that nobody knew about there. Well, if you're selling the property and you know inherently that there's an easement there, we'll take care of it. We actually yeah. are going to the neighbor to ask for a quick claim off of this easement just to free it up. So if yeah. you know there's some weird, you know, situation that needs to be dealt with or will end up coming up during somebody's due diligence, just deal with it now ahead of time ahead of time so you don't lose that buyer. Yeah. So, so I've done my due diligence. I've done my homework, right? I'm prepared to sell. I've done all this stuff. I figured out, okay, this is how I'm going to price it. How do I get people? How do I drive the traffic to the property? How, how do I get as much action as possible? Uh, I know this seems really basic and, and, and simple, but just use an agent. I know that people love to do it themselves. They love to go by owner. They want to list it on Zillow themselves. And they, and they think that they're saving 3%. I'm just telling you, it is always better just list it, get it on the MLS, get it to the broader audience. Don't list it yourself. Don't go by owner. You will not make more money by going by owner. You will make more money by getting in, in front of more people using the MLS. Now, look, I don't care if you use a discount listing service. You know, if you've got one of those local brokerages that do it for super cheap, that's fine. As long as you know what you're doing, you feel okay basically representing yourself on the sales side. Um, but I am a big advocate of use an agent, get it listed, and um, get the get the most exposure possible. Yeah, and, and you got other people. You know, they're they're going to leverage their networks as well. I think you're right. People think they're going to save money by by for sale by owner. You know, the Fisbo. But it, it, by the time it does sell, by the time you do, it just it, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. No, no. Um, number four is this, and the, some people probably argue this one a little bit. Um, but I think that when it comes to showing a house the pictures that come with the house when somebody's walking through a house the furniture the decor needs to be on point for one it should be at the very least it should it should be occupied with some furniture whether it's your furniture or staged furniture don't have a vacant empty house those do not show well talk to me about staging stage isn't that something that just luxury homes or the high-end homes are you know really i mean staging sounds really expensive I mean, it's not necessarily super cheap, but it's it is worth it's an investment, is what it is, it, and it's absolutely worth the investment. Um, if you have really nice pro, uh, of 
furniture and, and decor and whatnot. You, you don't necessarily need to pay for staging, but I would still get your house looking like a staged house, meaning all the clutter and all the other extra stuff that you know makes it look like a very lived in house. I would get rid of and make it look like a staged house. But if you, if you've got a, you know, an empty house or you've already moved out, um, pay, invest the money in a staged house. It just, it will just feel so much better when somebody walks through your house and, yeah. and they can see the areas they can, it'll feel more like what their house would look like when they moved in and they can, they can envision it. And there, honestly, Kim, there's a lot of data around home staging and at what, whether or not it's worth the investment and all the data points to that it is worth the investment. So you're going to spend, you know, however much, you know, you're going to spend some money, but you're going to get that back. It's an investment worth making. It's a few thousand bucks. At the end yeah. of the day, it's a few thousand. It's a few thousand up front and then a, a monthly rental fee of a few hundred bucks a month, something like that. And so maybe you budget 3,000, 4,000 bucks for a handful of months of it being, but is it, is it worth it? Absolutely. It's worth it. Uh, it's, it's the sort of thing where would, would you rather have zero furniture in it, have it sit for 30, 60, 90 days, and then have to reduce the price five or $10,000 versus pay the three grand or however much it is, get it staged. And then you don't have to reduce your price and you're not carrying that property for months on end. That's right. It's a phenomenal uh, return on your investment. So a couple of statistics, realtor.com says that staged homes sell for 80 8%. Well, they sell 88% faster and for 20% more on average compared to a non-staged house. That's huge. Yeah. 88% faster. And let's see, 83% of agents say that a staged home will sell faster than an unstaged home. And that home advisor says that homes that have been staged spend 33 to 50% less time on the market. I mean, there's, mm -hmm. there's just a, a, a ton of statistics. I ain't going to read them all off, but basically every, uh, Real estate website out there has some statistics on how much uh, staging helps. Here's one. 75% of sellers saw an ROI of 5 to 15% over asking price Wow, for a staged house. It, I mean, there's just the data fleshes it out, that it just makes sense to spend the money, invest the money in staging. Yep. Yep. It, it, all, the, all the research points that way. So you're looking to sell your house. Either use nice furniture that you already own. Simplify, right? You don't, a lot of times, you know, we have people oftentimes have cluttered homes, so scale it back, make it look beautiful, or just don't list an empty house. Go ahead nope. and pay the money and stage it. Don't You'll get your happen. money back. You will. Absolutely. It's amazing how many listings I see from house flippers who've done all this nice work. And then the pictures are just of these empty houses. Well, and it think about it. You get, you, get, mind. you get one shot at a first impression. You get one shot. And so if, if the first impression is they show up and they walk through an empty house, eh. You know, then you're asking them to kind of imagine, okay, what would I do here? What, what would this look like? Same thing online, man. You go and you look at the home, you know, maybe you're choosing five homes to walk on a Saturday and you're looking at 20, you get one shot at a first impression. Yep. Well, and again, yeah, your, your first impression in most cases are what you see online. Exactly. And so, I mean, that's a natural lead into the fifth secret to selling a house is professional photography. Again, it is worth every stinking penny. Again, one of those things where it's like but professional photography, you know, that, that sounds like for that's for a high end home. Why, why would I spend that kind of money? Yeah. Again, it's ROI. Is it worth the money? I mean, you know, we're talking 250 bucks for for really, really high quality photography. Um, but the statistics on this are that houses that have professional photography online get 61 percent more views than their peers that are uh, that are, are, are not using professional photography. Hey, well, I found reasons. 
I found re- research that said that homes with professional photos uh, sold 36% faster too. I mean, they're not, not on the market as long. Yep. And this, I'm looking at one that says they sell for uh, on average 10 days uh, quicker than yeah. houses that don't, don't have professional photography. There you go. And so again, if you're, if you're looking to create that buzz, get multiple offers, move the property as quickly as possible, get top dollar. It's worth every penny you're going to spend on professional photography. A hundred percent. And honestly, these days, most agents that come to list your house, especially if they're a you know full true listing service, they'll pay to have the pictures done. If, you, if you're paying 3% to an agent to list your house and they're not paying for professional photography, either ask them about it or go find another agent. Because this should, it should be in this day and age of everybody being on the internet, all these you know real estate sites that are syndicating the MLS. So you're looking at all these people at home are looking at all these pictures online, trying to decide what they want. You should absolutely have the best pictures. And if your agent isn't doing that for you, man, go find a new agent. So, so is it the sort of thing where I go back to the person that did the wedding photography? I have a friend who has a photography business. Is home photography that much different than you know going to Sears and get your you know your family portrait? <laughs> That's actually a really good question. Uh, I would say yes, one hundred percent. If you're going to get professional photography, it needs to be someone who specializes in real estate photography, not somebody that takes headshots for senior pictures. <laughs> yeah, they might be, it might be great, you know, at Olin Mills. It doesn't mean they're great in, in the house, getting the right photos, the right angles, the right editing, all of that. Worth its weight in gold to find that person to come in and have your realtor do it. Your realtor should, should, should carry that expense. They should at this point. Yeah. If you're getting, if you're getting a full service, 3% listing, they should absolutely be paying for this. So, so who do you use? Red Barn's flipped over a thousand homes over about a dozen years. Who do you use for photography? Yep. So we use a, we've actually used, we've got a couple of different ones that we use just sort of based on what side of town we're in. But um, a good buddy of ours, Lance Bryant has done a ton of our houses over the years. He's done, worked with a lot of our agents mm-hmm. and um, great guy. Um, but it's honestly, it's one of the, I've never really dived into the science of, of real estate photography Never. I mean, it hit, the pictures always just look amazing. And I just sort of take it for granted. I'm like, awesome. We got our pictures. Boom. Let's go. Let's get the thing listed. Um, but it's really, it's actually very interesting to pick his brain on, you know, what it takes to have good, who, who takes good pictures. What does it take to have a good picture? What is this industry? How has it changed over the last couple of years? So I actually thought it'd be kind of cool to bring him on and just chat him up about it. Yeah. I love that. What do you think? Should we bring him on? Should we, well, let, we are, let me text him real fast. See if he's available. Well, why you do that? I mean, think about it. We're talking about the secrets to selling your house. And here's a guy who's given his life to pursue a career at one of those secrets, taking pictures. Did you get him yet? Has he responded? Is he, is he available? Could he, do uh, he just got back to me. He said he's available. Hold on. Is um, he at a house right now taking pictures? Is he, he, taking actually, pictures right now? he actually, what's funny. He actually is from someone's uh, living. Room. I mean, he's on the road half the time because he's out taking pictures, but he said he could jump on zoom with us real fast. If you want to do right. this, let's get him in. Let's get him right, right now. Let me bring him on. All right. So Lance, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Glad to be here. Man, glad to have you on. That's right. So, you you know, of all the podcasts I've done, I've never taken the time and really dove into the photography that goes into real estate. And yet it plays such an integral role into all the houses that we've sold over the years. And, you know, we've got a friendship and we've, you've probably done, you've shot probably hundreds of our houses or, or our agents' houses over the years, Lance. But we've yeah. never really dove into the art of photography and what a difference it makes in selling houses these days. Yeah, thank you for saying that because I, I, there are times where I feel that it, it does. It, it is kind of one of those things that kind of gets taken for granted sometimes, not by everyone, but 
and to your point, it's, you know, listen, it's not right, wrong or different. It's it just, you know, it just kind of exists. And, and, and that world, it's still fairly new, right. To, to people to realize how big of a part and how crucial a part it does play in getting people to come to your listing. It's definitely become more mainstream than it was. And, it, and so maybe take us back. How long have you been doing this? And how have you seen sort of this real estate photography industry changed? Yeah, good question. So um, it's about, you know, nine years ago or so. Uh, and my wife got into real estate. And I think that just like a lot of people do when they get involved in real estate, they're, they're out there cutting their teeth and learning the MLS platform. And so she would set me up on a portal and say, so she would send me these, these listings and she would say, Hey, what'd you think about that house in Tucker? And I'd say, Oh my gosh, the, the photos are horrible. <laughs> and she would say, no, no, what, what about the house? And I said, I mean, as a photographer, I'm distracted at how poorly it presents. And so uh, we've all heard these things in life. And I literally had an aha moment. 10 p.m. where I sat straight up in bed and said, oh, my gosh, there's got to be a market for this. Because outside of the luxury, outside of the luxury listings, uh, nobody was using professional photography. I mean, nobody, nobody's maybe hyperbolic, but most people were not using uh, professional photography. So uh, I did, you know, I'd been involved in sales for, you know, eight or, eight or so years prior to that. And um, so, I, you know, I did what any good salesman would do. I started calling all the realtors I knew and said, hey, you know, what are you guys doing for photography? What's your process? Who's your guy? And, and, you know, of the half dozen that I reached out to, nobody had a process, nobody had a guy. And so I said, well, you know, there's a market for this and I'm going to, I'm going to tap into it. And, and, um, you know, here all these years later, we're, I'm, I'm here and so grateful that I am. You know, I, I, I'm sure it has a lot to do with, you know, the fact that all of real estate now can be accessed through the internet. I mean, back in the day, you know, agents sort of had the corner of the market. They had the MLS. Nobody else had access to it. It kind of didn't matter as much. But now, you know, over the last 10, 15 years, everybody can get on Zillow. They can get on Truly, get on any of those websites. And they're looking at pictures. And pictures play a much bigger role in terms of what's going to draw somebody's attention. Do you feel like that's maybe played that big role in seeing this market, this burgeoning market in the last 10 years? I, I absolutely agree with that. I mean, I know that that prior to that, and, and maybe you know, eight ten years ago, we were on the we were on the cusp of that, and so my timing just happened to be pretty pretty apropos, right? So, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I mean, yes, you're exactly right. I mean, used to it was you know, so and so had the MLS, and they you know they would say, oh, well, this is what we're looking for. But in today's world, we live on the internet. Every you know, we're we're virtually cyborgs, right? We're part computer. We walk around with a phone in our pocket and. You know, we're always looking at these photographs. I mean, anybody that has an interest in, in real estate or anybody that has an interest in moving, right? I mean, they're there. They're they're searching on those things all the time. And so it's paramount, you know, uh, to see what you like before you go. And the emotional piece is when you get there. But, you, you know, you know you like it or not. That That's my job is to get to get people to come. Right. And to your point, you know, you get one shot at a first impression. Mm -hmm. And these days, that first impression is going to be online. And a lot of times that's going to be the deciding factor, whether they're going to go look at that house or not. You know, if, if they're trying to get, you know, a number of homes they're going to go to her on a Saturday, that, that first impression might might be the influencer. Of, hey, let's add that to the list. Let, let's not. And when you think about home investing, you know, re real estate investing, somebody puts tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars into a property to flip it. And then to not spend the money on the back end to make sure it shows as well as possible for that first impression. That, that just, I mean, obviously you'd need, you'd want to do that as well. 
Well, I think that I think that that's important, and I think that it's also important as an agent. I mean, today in today's in today's market, I mean, there are so many realtors out there and agents out there that are selling real estate. So, you know, it, it's just as important um, for the property specific as it is for the agent. I mean, the agent is is creating their brand. What does their brand look like? Their brand and their brand looks like, hey, no matter if I'm selling your two hundred thousand dollar house that's in peril or your $2 million house that's, you know, in, in the most South African neighborhood, here's what I'm going to do for you as an agent. You're paying me to market your home. And so I'm going to show up and I'm going to do it. And I think consistency is a big part of that. And I think that, you know, so it, it, I think that, that the photography in, in today's world goes beyond just the house, right? I mean, you're, you are right. It's the first time, one time, right? But that also plays a part. It's the first time, one time when you go meet that next potential client on a listing appointment, they say, well, show me what you're doing to market my home. And if you don't have a version of that at every price point, do you get hired? Right. Well, enough agents are doing it now that you almost have to be spending the money for the photography to get hired. I, I can't imagine being an active agent in this market and that's not an offering. You have to give them professional I, photography. I, I, you're not wrong, but I will tell you, I mean, it, you know, I'm not here to throw anybody under the bus, but there are still agents that get away with having their clients pay the tab. Oh, wow. Wow. So, but you're right. I mean, most, most, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I don't see very many, uh, I don't see many, very many listings out there that don't have professional photos anymore. Hey, to that point too. So, give us maybe just an idea for the average layman that doesn't even know how this works. What What do you charge, and what do you get if you're an agent or you're a homeowner and you're paying for photography? Yeah, good question. So, it, it, it's kind of all over the map, but um, and and different. And and when I kind of got into this thing, it, it felt like there needed to be some sort of slide rule to figure out what was going on. Everything that I was seeing online was say they would say, okay, from 25 to 29 photos is $175. We go above that. It's another 25. And I thought, well, first of all, I want to take pride in what I do. So I want to present the house in every angle that it looks good. Right. Mm -hmm. And secondly, I don't want that agent to feel obligated to have to be there and hold my hand. So I'm not chasing them around saying, Hey, we're at 28. You know, we want two more photos. It's going to be 40 more dollars. So for me, you know, I, I started thinking about the average household, um, and I set mine, you know, somewhere around the 4,000 square feet. So under 4,000 square feet, depending on distance and travel time, I mean, you're, you're in that, you know, between 250 and $300 ballpark start out. And I think that's pretty good industry standard. Um, and so the way I present them is, you know, I, I shoot the house every way that it's going to look good. Right. And, uh, typically you don't have many wasted photos, you know, when you've been doing it, you know, it kind of becomes, this, you know, it's like one of my favorite sayings, it's easy when you know how, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, you go in there and you know, and you can be really, you know, people will say, gosh, you're fast. And I say, well, I don't like that word. I like efficient. So, you know, efficiency is a big part because, you know, you don't also want to be intrusive in these people's home, you know, for, for multiple hours. And so you go in and, and do that. And so uh, for me, my deliverables are, you know, whatever that amount of photographs are and then i you know i send them two links one's a full resolution so if they want to do any print marketing they're they're available to do so uh mls specifically georgia mls uh has their criteria at 2048 pixels on the long side which comes out to about 1587 on the on the other side mm -hmm. and so i i generate one there and so you know a lot of times they get to you know you can go in and literally drag and drop into mls and they're ready to go Right. Um, I, I offer, I think one of the other things that's really, that's really paramount is listen, I'm the last hundred 
meters, right? I mean, if, if, if we're in a race, I'm the last hundred meters. You've you got everything done, and now all you're waiting on is the photos to go live. And so oh, um, yeah. one of the things that, that I do is I offer a same-day turnaround. I mean, I guarantee 24 hours, but most times, more times than not, you get them the same day we shot the listing. Um, and, and that's that's equally as important for you guys as it is for me. I mean, like, you know, when I, I have to have a workflow because – if I shoot four houses a day and I don't do your photographs and then I go shoot four more tomorrow, well, now you're eight on the list. And so it just works. I mean, it's just, it's just the way it's gone. So that's kind of the deliverables on these things. And for you, I mean, there's, there's an art to this, obviously, clearly there's only, you know, the, the people that are specializing in this are specializing in it because there is an art and there is a technique. Um, get, maybe break down sort of the science of, of taking good photography. Yeah. Good question. I, you know, I, I, one of the things that I, I, I can I can better answer that by saying the things that I see that are wrong. A lot of times angles are wrong. Mm -hmm. um, and, and we, you know, and, and I think that's kind of how you can tell if it's if it's somebody that really knows what they're doing versus not. Because a lot of times the people that, that aren't doing it aren't, you know, maybe going without a tripod. And our natural tendency of holding a camera is to be pointed down, even if it's 10 degrees. Well, you know, first of all, now we're looking at it from six feet tall. I think ideally we want to be at about three feet height because you're shooting, you know, 16 millimeters on a full frame lens gives you that, that perspective. Right. Mm -hmm. So height's really important. Um, angles are obviously really important and lighting is really important. Um, and, and some of that just comes with, you know, it just comes with repetition. You know, I mean, you get out there and you see, you know, you want to, you want it to, to look and present, and, 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 and those, those things are important. You know, how you see it visually, uh, is the science and the art to it. Right. Right. And let me ask you another question in regards of, of how your pictures turn out based on the condition of the home. I and mean, how often are you shooting a house that's empty versus the person's furniture that exists versus a house that's been staged? And what do you prefer? What do you think turns out better? Uh, oh, you know, that, that's an easy answer. I mean, and you know, um, typically <laughs> the irony of this is typically the smaller the home. And I don't know, I don't know where the correlation of this is, but like, it feels like a lot of times the smaller the home, the furniture typically turns, turns out to be the wrong size and, and the, the homes are usually a little bit darker. So a darker room, a darker paint just doesn't read as well in the photographs. Yeah. Um, so, so anything, anytime we can get something that's to scale is really important. Um, furniture wise, I, as far as vacant, I mean, I would say vacancy has become, um, it's much less. I mean, vacant, vacant homes are probably 20% at, at on the high end. I mean, most of the times, either the owner's furniture or the staging, but I will tell you definitively. And I, and I counsel anybody that will listen on this, that I think your home should be staged. Um, and you know, there's just not many times that professionally staged, just like professionally photographed homes don't read better. I mean, professionally staged homes read better than your furniture. Yep. more times than that. so yeah. um th those things become really important and and um you know i understand i mean the irony too is that and i've seen this happen a lot of times where you know, they will they'll list a house and they'll have their furniture in it and for whatever reason they don't want to spend the money the, the few thousand dollars to stage a home, but then they'll go in when it sits for 30 days and cut the price by $12,000. I just did. I can't make that math work in my head where I think, right. 
you could spend four thousand and stage it, right? But you know that you know that that's that's you know kind of the irony of this thing, right? I don't have the stats in front of me. I'll I'll look them up, Kevin, before we're done this podcast. But there are there are genuine uh, National Association of Realtors statistics on staging and how much quicker houses sell, how much more they sell for. And so I'm I'm glad you're you're kind of preaching to the choir a little bit. That to me, it's ludicrous to fix and flip a house or even to build a house and put a spec on the market without staging it, because an empty house just does not sell yeah. as well as a staged house. Again, you've spent so much money. Well, and, and so, so many money times to build a house and then not to go and spend that extra couple thousand bucks at the end. It's crazy. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Right. I think it's the same analogy I just used, right? I mean, if we're in a race, you get to the last 100 meters and you just don't pull up with a hamstring, right? No, like, go ahead and finish the drill. Like, put a few Yes. You know, most people don't go into a home and be able to envision, oh, what this looks like. And I think that that's kind of a relatability thing to the photography is that, like, you can't show uh, a crappy version of the of the room and people are like, man, that looks good. You know what I mean? Like, I have several times where people will say to me, my agents will call me and we'll list a house that's like, you know, n not the best. And they'll call me and say, oh, my gosh. People who come see this house, we say, but that's okay. That's my job. My job is to get them there, right? Yeah. And so when when she tells me that or he tells me that, I know I've done my job, right? Yep. Yep. Hey, one last question for you. I'm curious your take on uh, video yeah. footage and drone footage. And, and the reason I ask, because I'm a little torn on it. I, I like it, but you're limited because most MLSs won't let you post video. And so it really has to live elsewhere, sort of off platform. Obviously, you can put it to your social network and whatnot. If you got a big social following, great. But what what percentage of people ask you to do video and drone? And, and what are your thoughts on it? Uh, so that's a good question. And so during COVID, we had a lot of ramp up on the video because people were, were, were hesitant to get out into our home. So we we really ramped up our walkthrough video Um the video tours um and, and video has become a thing in in today's world that it's kind of weird to me because i feel like it's gone the way of tiktok like and everything's like real fast and zoomy and yeah. you know you're like what are, what are you even showing so like that piece no but i think that there is a place for a video like a well done video tour i mean especially in the atlanta market we have a lot of transient people coming in moving here so they may not be here so a video walkthrough shot in 4k and 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 you know and done tastefully i think is really good for that those opportunities yeah. um and to your point now i will tell you the mls so depending on who so here's how the mls works so mls won't let you brand your video that you put on it on their MLS platform. And, and that I, I, had, I had to learn this, you know, baptism by fire. So I had to upgrade my package on my deliverable so that they, I can send a embedded version that doesn't live on YouTube or Vimeo because it, it's not only be about branded being to say it's like, you know, uh, whatever agency you are, whatever your name is, it, it all, the branding is also like where it links back to my Vimeo page. So then you see next three and it trails into that. Hmm. So you have to have somebody that can deliver you one that is un totally unbranded. And it's nothing but the video file itself that they can then embed into their MLS platform. So there is a space for that. And, and then to your point, you know, the, 
the social piece, obviously. Now, the drone, I know at one time, I can remember a drone, a statistic from the National Board of Realtors, and it was north of 60% on a drone footage, you know, helped the house sell 63% faster hmm. just having those drone photos. Um, and I think drone done in the right way is tasteful, is a good ad, but I don't think that it's a one-size-fits-all. I mean, if you, if you live in a bunch of trees and all the things, like, well, who cares, right? That's not a big sure. thing, but... Yep. Um, you know, if you've got a big property or, you know, you're over on, over in Druid Hills on, you know, one of these two acre lots. I mean, those things, those things show. And I think, I think realistically, I think it's just, I think the drone piece is one of those things that it's just not a perspective we're used to seeing. So it always gives it that little bit of a wow factor. And we always see it uh, like, especially like a beach rental property or something, just in context. Sure. Of, hey, look how close I am to the ocean. Or, but you're right. Yeah. It sometimes you want to show perspective of like, here, look where I am in proximity to this or this attraction or how large the lot is. Correct. But a typical neighborhood lot, eh, probably don't need the drone necessarily. Probably not. And and that's exactly that's right. And and so you know if they're if if they're a hard persistent on it, then I try and. You know, I'll try and go up and say, okay, well, here we are. You know, here's the Midtown skyline or here's Stone Mountain in the backdrop, right? But you're exactly right. I mean, it's really sleeves out of your vest. I mean, there's really no, like, other than than relationship piece that's, you know. So you've got you got agents, you got investors listening to this and, um, you know, maybe they haven't, they haven't hooked up with a photographer, right? They haven't used photography yet. Give us your sort of last minute pitch. Like this is why, this is why you got to work with the photographer if you're going to be relevant in this market. Well, thanks Ken. I mean, I mean, it's obvious. I mean, you know, we as photographers, me in particular, I'm, I'm going out and I'm marketing your home and, you, and, and I'm marketing the piece of property that you're selling. And, um, and, and the, we live on the internet. The, the world lives on the internet. And those are, that's where people are going to shop for homes. I, I would be interested to hear the statistic of how many people, you know, have seen, you know, have really studied a home and the photos before they even agree to their agent to go see the home. So it, it, it's a no brainer. And, and having me to come in, you know, uh, you don't have to be there. You know, I, I, I'm good with your clients. I'm, you know, I'm good with you. I'm easy to work with. And, you know, we're going to give you some good pictures, good videos, and fast turnaround. So I'd love for you to call me. Awesome. Lance, thanks so much, man. Really appreciate the time today. Thank you. All right. Take care, buddy. Talk soon. Oh, bye. Friends, thanks so much for making it all the way to the end of today's podcast. If you or possibly a friend has any interest in learning more about real estate investing or opportunities with Red Barn Home Buyers, take a minute and head on over to redbarnhomes.com and check out our investors page or our franchise page, or just drop us a note. We'd love to hear from you. Can't wait to see you on the next episode of The Deal Farm.